0: This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For November 30th, 2018. In this week's episode, we'll catch up on some Apple and security related news, including another class action lawsuit for Apple, Instagram's plain text password problems, Amazon's mysterious data breach, and we'll tell you about probably the most expensive way to retrieve data when locked out of your phone. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software, exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. So Josh, how
1: was your holiday last week? How was your Black Friday? Um, not too bad. I I got a couple of uh, pretty good deals. Oh, you bought some goodies. Yeah, yeah. So I'm building a computer, and great <laughs> <Brave> man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I've been looking at uh, you know, some various Mac models. I've still got to replace my 2011 iMac. That's just been practically dead for the past couple of years. It's just the hardware's failing on it. And uh, it's I, I'm way overdue, so so I've been looking at you know different Mac models, and I've decided to just build my own. Oh, interesting! So I did that a few years
2: ago. I built a Hackintosh, and it's upstairs in the room where I store all the stuff that I don't use.
1: And just in, in case there are any um, Apple lawyers listening, I didn't actually say that I'm building a Hackintosh.
2: Right. <laughs> You're building a computer. I'm just
1: building a computer. Okay. And so I'm getting a bunch of parts, you know, and getting ready to, to start building it. But uh, yeah, what operating system? I don't know. I'm not going to yeah, say. Yeah,
2: well, you have options. You <laughs> can put all kinds of Linux operating systems on it. You can put Windows. Yeah, of course. When I did this a few years ago, I did this for an article, and it was an interesting process to seek out all the information of which there is a great deal on the internet of how to do this and, and which components work and which don't and all that. Putting everything together wasn't very difficult. I chose a relatively small case because my idea was to replace my Mac Mini. I didn't want something too big. I mean, it ended up being like the size of a bread box, but still, it wasn't a full-size tower. Everything more or less worked until I got to installing the operating system. And then there were these endless loops of having to readjust configurations and reboot and reinstall and it turned out so frustrating that the end of my article was basically you know don't do this unless you really got a lot of time on your hands
1: it does take a huge time investment to to uh build a build your own mac because obviously apple is not designing the operating system to work with whatever miscellaneous hardware you happen to to find and be able to put together so yeah, it's it's not for uh, the faint-hearted. Absolutely. Okay, but I think you bought some other stuff too, didn't you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've gotten a lot of fun equipment recently. I got some AirPods. A lot of a lot of little things. Getting ready for for the holidays. Getting some stuff for family and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Black Friday's a, a, a fun shopping day. Yeah, I bought some cat food. <laughs> you did. Did
2: you? Did, how much did you save this time? Um. Like 30%. I bought two huge boxes of cat food with like 96 pouches in each. They were, I think there were 22 pounds instead of 30. So, you know, they they do this regularly at Amazon. I
1: think you said last time you saved like 100 pounds last year.
2: No. Well, I bought like 120 cans of cat food. And I don't think I saved 100 pounds, but maybe because there were three periods. This was prime day, whatever they call that in July. And there were a couple of periods and I bought several times. And we still have stuff in the in, in, the, in a kitchen cabinet that was purchased in July that we haven't used yet because we like to alternate to give our cats different kinds of foods because, you know, that's how cats are.
1: They're yeah, you got to treat them well, right?
2: Yes. Um, but I also bought a speaker. I bought a Sonos one. And maybe we'll talk about that next week because I've written an article for the Indigo Max Security blog comparing that to Apple's HomePod. The spoiler is that I'm very impressed by the Sonos One, and it's a lot less expensive than the HomePod. Yeah, that's, I, I'm not so, too surprised about that, because I've heard good things about it. Okay, so in other news, uh, I guess this is the Apple class action lawsuit of the week. It seems like there is an Apple class action lawsuit every week. Have you ever joined any of these? I haven't. No. Um, it doesn't seem worth my time. Right. And you know the way these things work is some lawyer comes up with, with what may be a valid claim and then gets a whole bunch of people sign, and the company will eventually settle for ten bucks per user. But the lawyers getting thirty percent of the fifty million because there's a lot of users. But this one is something that touched me in a certain way. So Apple is facing a class action lawsuit over the fact that MacBooks and iMacs do not have filters, air filters, with the air that comes in to trap dust. Apparently, if you get dust on your display, Apple was charging people $600 for a replacement of the display. Now, not long ago, now with my last iMac, the 27-inch iMac, one day I look at my screen and I see something moving, tiny little thing moving. And I have this little yellow cloth here that I use to wipe my screen off. And I wiped it off and it didn't go away. And I kept wiping and it didn't go away. And I realized it was an insect inside my Mac, I knew that there were two ways that this could end. The first is that the insect could die right there in the middle of the screen. And the second was that it would eventually go out the bottom and die someplace else. Well, the second one came true. It, it went away and I didn't see it again.
1: Or a third option is that you take apart your computer and now you accidentally destroy it trying to get a bug out, right?
2: Right. I do not do that. And, and I have AppleCare on my Mac. So worst case, well, I don't even know if they'd cover that with AppleCare. Care. But in any case, another Mac I had a few years ago was the 2013 Mac Pro, the round one that we affectionately call the trash can Mac Pro. And I was very surprised by how much dust was collecting at the entrance. The 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 air inflow was at the bottom of the of the can, and a lot of dust was collecting in there. And I opened it up because you could pull the cylinder off on the outside. I opened it up, and there was all this dust inside, so I used a blower to get it off, I remember also one iMac I had years ago that had to go back to Apple for repairs, and this was under AppleCare, and it was nearly three years old, and the guy said, man, there was so much dust in there, we had to clean it out. So this is not a new problem, and I don't know how it is with Windows PCs, but they really should be filtering dust because it's dangerous. If you get too much dust around a processor, it could start burning.
1: Well, and having looked at a lot of PC cases recently, I know that many of them do have dust filters um, for for the fan intake. Uh, so it's um, kind of interesting that this is not something that Apple has been doing and that well i mean people will sue over anything right but i mean personally i haven't experienced too much of a problem related to dust but i don't know how much of a how much of a significant issue this is for how many people but evidently if they've got enough people for i mean I, it doesn't take a lot of people for a class action lawsuit
2: no and uh, uh, announcing this lawsuit is a way of seeking more uh, people to join the class. Right. That's one of the reasons they do that. Right. But I do find it annoying that computers like this, that are this expensive, can be brought down by dust. You know, recently, people have been talking about how if you get dust in certain MacBook Pro keyboards, the whole keyboard has to be replaced.
1: Yeah, that's pretty sad. I mean, especially when you're talking about, you know, any Apple hardware, really. I mean, you pay a premium because it looks nice. It's got the Apple branding on it, and and it's designed to work well with all your other stuff. I definitely understand people getting up in arms about having to pay a significant amount of money just because there's some dust that got in their computer and kind of messed things up.
2: You should check your 2011 iMac and see what it looks like. Put something to make the screen all white and see how many spots. And you'll you'll spot dead pixels, perhaps, but see if there's any dust in there. So here's some interesting security news. A company called Drive Savers can help people retrieve their data from locked iOS devices for a fee, $3,900. Now, this seems to be similar to the gray key tool that we were talking about some time ago, which apparently doesn't work anymore. What do you know about this, Josh?
1: Well, DriveSavers isn't really saying too much about their methodology, but basically for $3,900, they're saying they can break into your device for you if you get locked out which makes it sound like they got a hold of some gray keys, possibly. Gray key was was a device that was being marketed to law enforcement professionals. And the idea being that, you know, these are people who may have a legitimate reason to try to break into a device. So it's not too surprising that we're now seeing non-law enforcement agencies that are using the same or presumably the same or similar technology to try to break into consumers' devices, you know, for other reasons, for non-legal reasons. Well, let's
2: not call it breaking into, because apparently the company says most people use this to access data
1: from a device from someone who's deceased. Okay. Is that not still breaking into the device, though?
2: Well, technically, if your spouse dies and you need to get access, and you want to get access to the photos on her her iPhone or something. It, it it doesn't seem to me if you're in a relationship with someone where you have shared ownership of everything, your home, your 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 pets, your children, and all that belong to the two people, then I wouldn't call that breaking in. No,
1: I think some people would maybe disagree with you on that point. But uh, so here's another point, though, and I know not everybody does this, but if you're going to share everything with your significant other. Would you not also give them a way to get into your device in case you pass away
2: exactly and and I think that's the advice that we should give to people and I think we talked about this at some point in the past. Make sure that either your children, your parents, your significant other your partners, whatever that someone has some way of getting into your device. It might be your passcode in a safe deposit box or a safe or in a or access to your password manager where you've put this information. I think this is really important because people will have data on the device that you might need to get to. And they don't always back up and they don't always share all the photos of, you know, the videos of your child taking first steps and things like that that are invaluable, irreplaceable.
1: I, I like the safe deposit box idea because that way it's if you're concerned about your spouse knowing your password or whatever, at least that's a way that, you know, If it comes to this, like if you have to go to the safe deposit box, then I'm probably deceased and that's fine. If you really need to get into my device after that, I don't care because I'm dead. So why why does it matter anymore?
2: Gee, Josh, that was very um, uplifting. (laughs) I think we should take a break right now. When we come back, we'll look at some other news about security breaches and leaked passwords and a number of other things.
0: If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today and then use the promo code INTEGOPODCAST at checkout to save 50%. That's Intego Podcast to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intigo.com today. So,
2: Josh, we've had a couple of data breaches recently. The first one is about Instagram.
1: How did they reveal plain text passwords in URLs? So, Instagram did a funny thing recently. We've talked before about GDPR, which is legislation in the European Union that uh, is related to consumer privacy. And one of the things that GDPR requires is that companies who do business with people in the, the EU, must give those consumers access to be able to download their data, to see what data they have on file related to you. And so Instagram, in compliance with GDPR, they had to have a, a data download tool. And so they gave users the ability to download their images, posts, and comments and all that. As part of this process, you know, of course, they had to put up a page and and, uh, and there were some ways that you could, you know, obviously, you have to authenticate again, you have to give your password to prove that you are really the right person. And so when you entered your password on this page, what happened was that if you hit enter, after typing your password, then your password showed up in plain text in the address bar. <laughs> As opposed to if you had just clicked on submit, then that didn't happen. So there was clearly a programming error with with the way that they designed this page. You should never, ever, ever, for any reason, have a password in plain text in the address bar. Right. So sometimes you'll see a URL where
2: it'll have like uh, an ampersand and a username or a a name of a, a search terms or something like that. The thing about this is this gets logged. This gets logged by servers in a whole lot of different places. It goes through the internet and people who are sniffing can find this and finding someone's username and password in a URL like that is quite serious. Now let's remind people who don't remember that Instagram is owned by Facebook and that this error has something
1: to do with that Facebook data breach that affected what? 30 million accounts? Facebook has so many <laughs> issues with surrounding privacy. It's. Uh... You know, I mean, at least, what, once a month that we're talking about Facebook privacy and something else that they've messed up with? Yeah. So uh, this doesn't look good. This really doesn't look good for Facebook.
2: Yep. So we have another one, and this was Amazon. And Amazon warned some customers that their names and email addresses were inadvertently disclosed on their website. And I actually got one of these emails from amazon.com. It was actually a suspicious-looking email, it's very short. It says, we're contacting you to let you know that our website inadvertently disclosed your name and email address due to a technical error. The issue has been fixed. This is not a result of anything you have done, and there is no need for you to change your password or take any action. Sincerely, customer service, http colon slash slash amazon.com. With a capital A, no less. With a capital A, yes. Now, that's all very suspicious, and I did the usual. I hovered my cursor over the URL to see that it was indeed Amazon. First of all, I'm a little bit irked about what happened. But second of all, the way that they disclosed this is a bit ridiculous. And so we'll link to an article on Graham Cluey's website. In fact, when I got this email, I sent it to Graham. He lives here in the UK. I think I was the first person to notify him of this. And he looked into it and he felt also that the email was extremely odd. and, And as yet, there has been no explanation of this. The only thing is that the register did find out that the email really did come from Amazon. Amazon's PR team said merely we have fixed the issue and informed customers who may have been impacted.
1: Yeah, but they haven't said really what the extent of this, you know, problem was. Yeah, how many? Yeah. So if their website inadvertently disclosed your name and email address to whom? Like how many people got access to that? How many people now have my name and email address that didn't have it before? Was it one person? Right. And where on the website? So you know that on Amazon, you
2: have a public profile page. You may or may not choose to make your email address public. Is that where it was? Was it someplace else? Was there some page that listed 50 million people's names and email addresses? I mean... It's not a password, so you don't have to worry too much about that, but it does open you up to spam.
1: Yeah, and I'm not a GDPR expert, but I did hear one person talking about how this doesn't really comply with GDPR in the way that, and you know amount of information that they've disclosed about this. Because basically, they said nothing. They said, yeah, there was a breach, and your name and email address got out, and that's all we're telling you, and end of story. No, There's no mention of scope. There's – I mean, how can they – how can they do this? And some some people are speculating that maybe it had something to do with the timing because this email was on November 21st, and so it was right a couple of days before Black Friday. And so maybe they were just kind of trying to do the minimum thing that they had to do to be legally compliant, and then maybe they'll give more details. But now, hey, it's almost, you know, it's a week after Black Friday now, and... Still no more information? That's pretty weird. And the article
2: on The Register, which is a site in the UK, reproduces an email from a customer who wrote to Amazon querying this message. And the support person said, the email you received was not from Amazon and we're investigating the situation. So there seems to be a real disconnect here that, you know, this sort of data breach Companies need to learn what the process is for disclosing a data breach.
1: Yeah. And they need to have somebody writing the copy for these emails. Yes. That doesn't include HTTP colon slash slash. Now note, there's no S there. So it's not even a secure link yeah. to Amazon.com and then a capital A. Oh my goodness. Who, who, di- who wrote this email? It just says customer service. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, come on. Amazon. Come on. Everybody get your acts together. Okay. Okay.
2: Just a quick mention, we've talked in the past about Apple's airport devices and they had been discontinued some months ago and they've finally been removed from Apple's online store. I, I kind of found it odd that they discontinued them, but they were still selling them, right? Discontinued usually means you're not selling something.
1: Yeah, I thought that strange too. And in fact, I didn't even really realize this. I, I went to go you know, look this up the other day because I'm like, I don't think Apple's really still selling those, are they? Because somebody mentioned something about Airport, and I went and looked on their site, and there was no mention of it anymore. And then as we were kind of looking into this further, we saw there was actually uh, a, a couple of articles about this on November 16th. So it was just really recently that Apple finally stopped selling these discontinued products. So you can no longer buy Airport Express, Extreme, or time capsule. Nevertheless, they updated the Airport Express for AirPlay
2: 2, which is the music and video streaming from one device to another, even though it was discontinued, and that was surprising at the time as well.
1: What I would expect Apple to do is is to release, you know, security updates, like the bare necessity, you know, just the things that they kind of have to fix because otherwise they're going to make all their users vulnerable who are using their products. But to actually add a a feature like that is interesting because it's it's not just a discontinued product. This is an old product. Like, they last updated this product in, what, 2012, I think, the Express?
2: But it's quite popular among people who use it to stream music that it has an audio and an optical out, so people connect a stereo to it, and people use this to stream music around their house. So the people like myself who are interested in music were very surprised that Apple updated this.
1: Well, I guess what I would recommend to people at this point is if you still have an airport and you're using it for something other than AirPlay 2, you know, uh, it, meaning if you're using this as your main access point, I would recommend switching to something else because uh, there's there's no saying whether Apple's still going to release any security related fixes anymore. Um, even the ones that they did release, uh, we mentioned, I think, gosh, what, what was it at the beginning of 2018? It took them a long time to fix like the crack you know, vulnerability that was widely known for months by the time that Apple finally updated their firmware. So you're better off from a security perspective with getting something newer.
2: And it's fair to say that for home users, at least, the router is your point of entry. And is the weakest link in your protection and needs the best protection. So I kind of have a feeling that Apple is changing from a hardware company to a services and media company. And I've got an article on the Intego Mac security blog about this. We put some charts in here from Six Colors, which is the website run by Jason Snell, who used to be the editor of Macworld. He does these great charts every time Apple has an earnings call. And it's very interesting to see how much the services... Area of Apple's revenue has increased. It's up to $10 billion a quarter now. Services covers things like income from the App Store, the iTunes Store, Apple Music, iCloud, Apple Pay, and it includes Apple Care, which to me doesn't really fit in the same way because Apple Care is technically an insurance policy. At least Apple Care for the iPhone here is sold as an insurance policy. There's no VAT on it, but there's an insurance tax on it. So it's not treated the same but in any case when you look at the curve here it's obvious that what apple is doing is really boosting all of this and and as iphone sales are plateauing and ipad sales are not brilliant and mac sales aren't great anymore and you know it looks like apple is morphing at least to be partially a services company
1: yeah, in fact, there's a significant percentage of their total revenue that's that's coming from services. Yeah, 16%. Yeah, I mean that's that's significant because we I mean, you know, we think of Apple as as a hardware company, right? One of the things that I've always found interesting in, from in terms of like operating system vendors is you know, you look at Microsoft and they're a, a software company. I mean, yeah, they have the Surface and they've got some other stuff, you know, that's hardware, but they're primarily a software company. They make the majority of their money um, selling licenses of Windows and Office and things. And then you've got Apple, who has always primarily been a hardware company, which is why, you know, they can release their OS up, you know, their OS is for free because you bought the hardware from them. And so that that's just something that comes with the hardware, right? It is interesting to see this at least potential shift coming from, from Apple you know, toward things that aren't just hardware. Uh, and, and Apple's actually doing a really good job at these things, by the way. It's not, it's not just an afterthought that they happen to be making a lot of money on. No,
2: they're transitioning gently. If you look at the breakdown, the iPhone represents 59% of their revenue, and that's an awful lot for a company to depend on a single product. And, and I think part of Apple's logic here is to no longer depend on the iPhone as the single product the the mac represents 12% the ipad 7% we said services 16 and other 7% not sure what that is that could be even things like investments but it does look like uh, from from what we're hearing about apple's forthcoming services streaming video a subscription apple news service it does look like apple is blending a lot of things together and this raises the question that people have been talking about for years what about an apple prime subscription one subscription that gives you access to all these services, like Amazon Prime, that would give you more iCloud storage instead of the basic five gigabytes. That's not enough for anyone anymore. That would give you access to Apple Music. That would give you streaming video and news and all of these other things.
1: You know, I, I really like this idea because I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber. And, you know, it started out just as kind of, well, yeah, I want to get, you know, the faster shipping, right? That that was worth it to me. And so that's what I initially signed up for Amazon Prime for. And then I, I thought, well, hey, I've got access to some other things now. I've got access to Amazon Prime Video. That's kind of cool. I, I mean, you know, I already had a Netflix subscription, but I thought, well, it doesn't hurt, and sure enough, I mean, there's actually some interesting. And it doesn't cost any more because you were already paying for Prime. Exactly, I was already paying for Prime, so now there there are some you know Amazon originals that you know so, may or may not be good depending on your taste in and shows. Oh, and there's movies, some but...
2: good stuff that that there's the the marvelous Mrs. Maisel that won Emmy awards and. I'm telling you, this is one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. If you haven't watched that, you really should. The second season's coming out in a week or
1: so. So, you know, the, and these were things that I just got because I was already an Amazon Prime subscriber and then Amazon Music. And so, I mean, there's a lot of um, really great stuff that I get all as part of one bundled subscription. And it doesn't feel like I'm paying a lot of money for the service because, you know, it, it, there's so many things that I get for that one price. Yeah, but how many of them do you use?
2: I use Prime Video, and I take advantage of what's generally next-day delivery here. Occasionally, I'll borrow a Kindle book, but most of the Kindle books I want to read aren't available on Prime. I don't use Amazon Music. I don't use their photo storage thing. They have an unlimited photo storage system. So I don't really use any of the other services.
1: Yeah, I've I've been using Amazon Music more. Um, I I don't listen to a ton of music, but um, but you know they have a pretty good selection on there for for the basic included price. Honestly, I, I think it's a good package. And so taking this back to Apple, I think where where Apple could do a great job is like you're saying, iCloud storage is kind of a no brainer, right? I mean, you almost if you're using iCloud, you pretty much cannot get away with having a free iCloud plan anymore because it's they it's just too little data. And so if they're going to sell you something, hey, why not include some other things? If they could have a package that say included AppleCare Plus, you know, the the better hardware protection, plus you know, better, you know, in- increased iCloud storage and access to Apple's original video content that they're working on. And Apple Music. And Apple Music. Yeah. The forthcoming Apple News. See, if they bundle all these things together, now that's interesting to me. Because I'm the kind of person who, like, I don't really care enough about increasing my iCloud storage or any one of those things. Right. Right. But if they bundled all those together, then it would probably be worth it to me, depending on how much the cost was. But it would probably be worth it to me to subscribe to something like that.
2: Yeah. And given how much Apple is spending on original video, and, and we keep hearing this in dribs and drabs, and, and these aren't all rumors, these are things that are published in, in the industry press, you know, that so and so is attached to a project that's going to be a series or a film or whatever. They're putting a lot of money into this and they could be competing with Netflix and Amazon. as as a real streaming video service, I, I think Apple has a store presence in 180 countries. So that's pretty much the entire world. Unlike Netflix, not available in every country. Amazon, certainly not available in every country. Though you can, I believe, get Amazon Video if you're in a country where it's not available by connecting to one where it is, I think. But there are all sorts of opportunities that Apple can leverage the, I believe it's 800 million iTunes store accounts to get people into this. So one thing that I thought was interesting, I thought about this years ago, and this came up again recently, was why wouldn't Apple become what's called a mobile virtual network operator and they could offer cellular plans? So you buy an iPhone for however much a month and it includes your minutes and texts and data access. You know, when you look and you see that there are 500 mobile operators where you live, it's basically that there are three and that the other companies are buying minutes And they're able to sell you the time google just announced that their google fi project is going to be extended to more phones i think originally it was limited to certain phones and you'll be able to use it on the iphone it's 20 bucks a month for your cellular access and then you pay a little bit more for your data access interestingly i looked at that and i compared to the price i pay here i pay 20 pounds a month for unlimited calls and texts and 15 gigabytes of data That same amount of data would cost me $80 a month with Google's program. So it's no real saving, but that just reflects how much more expensive mobile phones cost in the U.S. compared to the U.K.
1: It's not a bad idea, Um, and really there are a lot of MVNOs out there. There's one that happens to cover my area that, well, they advertise that they have free service. It's not really free because they nickel and dime you to death on all kinds of things. But, um, yeah, I mean, if a little company like that can somehow, you know, have really cheap service, I don't see why Apple, you know, a company that has billions to spare, can't throw their hat into the ring.
2: And a huge user base that would uh, allow them to negotiate with the operators in the different countries.
1: Absolutely.
2: So I think this is going to be interesting to follow as Apple morphs, as the iPhone is just no longer going to be this constantly growing thing. You remember when the iPod was selling and it was like this curve was going up and then all of a sudden, boom, it just started plummeting. I don't think the iPhone's going to die like that because the iPhone replaced the iPod in many ways. But it has been flat for some time. And it it is interesting to see that Apple is morphing from that they morphed from a computer company to a mobile device company and that they're going to be morphing from a mobile device company into something with broader... Ambitions And and, and I think the video is the biggest thing that they're going to be doing after Apple Music.
1: Yeah, I definitely look forward to seeing a lot of uh, the new stuff that Apple is rumored to have in their original video content coming soon.
2: Okay, so we'll see what happens in the coming months. I believe the video content is going to start sometime next year. Until then, Josh, stay secure.
0: All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security. With your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com